here in Marin, we see a window into local poverty through programs like the rest shelter. But the systemic poverty in a border town like Tijuana is different. I've done a few house building trips before, and I was excited to share that experience with the youth here in the church. And I wanted to help them get insight into the challenges faced by people in these poor communities and, and understand a little bit about their lives. So this June, I joined with Diana and Zach and Jenny and a group from Sleepy Hollow Presbyterian Church. So there were about 45 youth and nine adults. And we went to Mexico for a week to build three houses for three very needy families in Tecate, just, just east of Tijuana. And it was a week-long trip, four days of hard work building houses, and two travel days on either end. Every day on the trip, we had devotionals, which we called Words of the Day, where we would take time to reflect on what we saw and experienced. At first, the observations were fairly superficial. Mexico is so dry and dusty. There's trash everywhere. Why don't they recycle? But as we met the families that we were working with, interacted, and developed relationships, the observations became more sophisticated. On my team, few of the youth knew Spanish, one of the local kids knew English, and most of us got by with a handful of words and a lot of smiles and gestures. You're going to hear stories from um, Jenny and Zach about the experiences that were most meaningful to them. Some of the experiences that I noticed um, from the youth on my team involved soccer games with the local kids, and you could tell that through that interaction they got a sense of the community. And they were amazed that kids with so few material possessions could be so happy. One of my favorite interactions was when our team leader asked me to get a group of youth together to move a pile of gravel to fill a hole. As I started to gather the students together and explain the task, the grandfather of the family saw me, and even though he didn't know English, he realized what I was asking the youth to do. He came over and pointed at their outhouse, and I understood the word baño, but he had a whole lot of other words which I didn't understand and a lot of gestures, and conveyed to me that this hole we were about to dig was part of the sewer system for their outhouse. And if we put the gravel in this hole, their outhouse, which was kind of marginal right now, would be completely unusable. What we initially thought would be a helpful task wouldn't have been so helpful in the long run. And what was meaningful about this conversation to me was even though we didn't have many words in common, we were able to communicate this fairly complex thought because we were both patient with each other and we tried to understand and make sure that we were communicating. On another day, there was a woman who came by with her five kids to ask how she could get a house also. One of the youth with the best Spanish started to talk to her as I went to find someone from the local church a few houses away who could act as a translator. The pastor talked to her and explained the process. We tried our best to show her that we cared. But after she left, the pastor explained that she likely wouldn't get a house because she couldn't prove that she owned the land that she lived on. He shared with me his criticisms of the mission organization that we partnered with in Mexico. He thought that cinder block houses were less expensive and more durable than the wooden stucco houses we were building. But groups of unskilled volunteers like ours can build a wooden stucco house in a week, and that wooden stucco house was so much better than what the families had been living in. 
We wouldn't be able to do that with Cinderblock. It was a reminder for me that the solutions to poverty aren't always easy. And I came back from the trip conflicted. Overall, though, the trip was a success. We did build three houses for three families. And their lives were changed with a simple house that we built. Our lives were also changed. Our youth size were open to a different way of life, and they realized that spending time with their community doing things like playing soccer was more important than their material possessions. I left with a reminder that the solutions to poverty aren't easy. It takes time and patience to understand what will really help the community, and there's always more to do. Though the houses that we built may not be the very best possible homes, this house-building trip allowed our youth to experience the challenges of poverty in a border town and allowed three families to experience the love that our youth brought. And now you'll hear more from Zach. Although I wasn't on a team with Cheryl, I was on a team with Diana, and we had the uh, awesome experience of working together over these four work days and during the travel trips. And what I experienced is this. This summer, when I was in Mexico, I learned a lot about myself and others. I learned how to make things like houses, how to give my entire effort into my work, but most of all, I learned how to be part of a team. The Mexico, the Mexico mission trip was an eye-opening experience for me. I learned not only how to be a key benefit in working together to solve a problem, but when I step up to help others by being a leader. I wasn't just on a team, I was leading a team. I played the role of being the worker, and I played the role of being the head honcho. <laughs> when we work together, we can accomplish great things. And even though a couple of times we fell back and had trouble, we persevered through 70 and a half bucketfuls of cement and a group full of kids who knew how to paint but didn't know where to paint. <laughs> we still soldiered on through all that work and made all of it so much more fun and kept a smile on our faces even though it may have seemed difficult. I wasn't only just someone there to be a tool. I was a leader. Uh, on the second workday, we were building walls, and our site leader, Chris Lopin, had us get into smaller groups of three and work on a wall each, uh, with each other. And my team, knowing that I had experience with building, decided to let me control them, to tell them what to do, and to be a leader of our team which I thought was very uh, nice and showed a lot of respect towards me. And that way I made sure that I was telling them to what to do that was right and what I knew would make the house the best it could be. And what we ended up building was the, uh, the doorway from their old house into the new house. So I thought of this as a gateway from the old poverty lifestyle into a new way of living in a brand new house with so much more possibilities than their old shack that they had had before. Being a leader is also a very difficult task because you know that people are relying on you to come through and they're relying on you to be a good 
leader and to show good directions towards them. So I made sure that no matter what I was doing, I was putting my whole heart into it so that they knew that I was right. Despite being a leader, I also felt that I was more important when I was part of the working team and I was listening to others. I could rely on them and they could rely on me to get the job done. So our team, not just my team, completed this house and we were always so hardworking and we stayed positive and we were optimistic the whole time and we found out a way to power through this project and help out this family in the best way we knew how to. Our motto for this trip was leave things better than we started. So what we did was we started with this square patch of grass and dirt and gravel and we left it better. We left it with a new house. So now it is my firm belief that working with others to accomplish a goal is the best way to get something done well and establish a great bond at the same time. Had I gone there by myself and tried to build a house all on my own, that would have been almost impossible. However, with the aid of my fellow teammates and the courage and determination we all shared, we created something more than just a house. We created a home. I was working on a site with Cheryl. It was called the Orange Site. But on our trip to Mexico, I met the house owner. His name was Grandpa. That was his nickname. He had six kids, which every lunch we would play soccer in the street with them. And the owner, known as Grandpa, was living in a house with no electricity or water. There was a moment that stood out to me the most. Even though we couldn't talk to each other, he told me what to do in the specific way he wanted it to be. I was, suppo I was stuccoing one of the walls, and all of a sudden, the owner walks over to me and gives me an odd look, like, oh, you're doing that wrong. And he just grabs the smoothing palette and taught me how to do it. He was motioning all sorts of ways. And finally, I got it, and I said, nobody touch this wall. This is my wall. <laughs> so I was like, don't touch it. <laughs> and... I was smoothing this wall by myself for like an hour, and after I finished, Grandpa stood up and he had like a cane, and this the house was on a hill, so he came over to me, he patted me on the back, gave me water, and was like, good job. He gave me that look, and I thought that was very satisfying to me. And after the house was done, he came over to me, and it was pretty great. He um, patted me on the back, and he was like, had so much gratitude. That gives me so much emotions. Like, I could never ask for anything better. A few more stories. Some logistics. So we drove down in a chartered van on Saturday morning. We met at Sleepy Hollow at 6 a.m. and fell onto the bus and slept for most of that way. 
And then we spent the night at La Jolla Presbyterian Church in their youth room. It's a very large, like similar to Duncan Hall. And we went to their church service in the next morning and then drove rental vans across the border. As we neared the border, I enjoyed an amazing conversation with the young sophomore men in my van. We were deconstructing the church service, and we'd, we'd just come from, and it led to some really interesting questions about religion and church. I cannot recall all of their statements or questions exactly, but for a short time during that drive, we engaged in theological reflection, and I was in the hot seat trying to give answers to topics I haven't thought about since seminary. And as we began to cross the border, each van turned off the radio so that we could be attentive to the community we were both leaving and entering. We wanted to become present to the poverty and to whatever we might see, and we asked for silence as we actually entered. And it was just on the other side of the border that we saw this dark red line across the hilltops, the fence. We wondered aloud together. I wondered internally about the differences in purpose and politics about this fence, our American fence, and the one I had seen back in October in Palestine. As the road curved, we came closer to the wall, and I could see it a bit more clearly. Metal strips held together top and bottom so that you could see through the wall, but you certainly couldn't get over it. It went for miles across the landscape, and I couldn't tell where it began or where it ended. I think it's fair to say that for the next 36 to 48 hours, everything I experienced, I contrasted and compared with my experience in the West Bank. And it wasn't until the second morning of building, as we piled into the vans from the campsite and drove back to the work sites, that I realized that my whole body was afraid of what might be coming at me from the other side of the fence or the top of the next hill. I was afraid in a similar way to the way I was when I was in Palestine. And once I was able to name the sensations in my body and and recognize why my chest was so tight, I was afraid. I was able to let it go and begin to see where I was for what it was. And it was pretty special. 41 youth, 10 adults, three teams working for three families, We built three buildings approximately 11 feet by 22, one door, two windows, a roof that should hold water, and stucco walls and a coat of paint, and some extra paint in some extra places. We worked hard in 80 degree heat from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. without many breaks. And each site had its own challenges and joys, some of which you're hearing about and you've already heard about today. More you can probably hear about if you catch us at the barbecue. I am very proud of the effort that we put in and the ease that everyone got along with one another. That's not an easy feat. I'm also especially proud, and I'm going to tell a story on our two youth, because at the end of the week, there was a special time of honoring one another for the work we put in over the course of the week. And I'd like you to know that both of our youth, both Zach and Jenny, were named by adults who worked with them for their hard work. As I recall, Zach was praised for jumping in and asking, what can I do to help? And meaning it. And as I recall, Jenny, with her experience going back to all the Katrina rebuilding trips of her middle school years, 
was practically a pro when she walked onto the job site. And people praised her leadership as a hard worker. I'm not surprised by any of this feedback, but I do want you to hear it and to share in my joy and, 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 and just excitement for our church to raise some wonderful people and their parents. Kudos. And Cheryl, you helped me relax, taught me about solar showers, and generally helped me keep details in order, so thank you. You and I didn't get shout-outs, but here you go. (laughs) We had a wonderful trip, and I know we will continue to send people out from this congregation to experience new parts of God's creation and to new places, new-to-us places that are hurting in this world. Because, as our scripture said this morning, we we are all part of Christ's body. And we, like Peter, are called to go and feed my sheep. So may we continue to learn, grow, and serve together in Christ's name. Amen.